Welcome to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and convention coverage. Hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other listeners, find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages, support our Podbean crowdfunding campaign, and much more. Star Wars Action News, covering the whole galaxy of Star Wars toys. Welcome to Star Wars Action News. Arnie, this is episode 497. What does that mean? Well, it's three away from 500. Oh. We're getting old, buddy. 500 episodes of Star Wars Action News. 12 years. What a time it's been. And it's good to be home. I'm home in between conventions. Kind of, sort of, in a way. I feel like I haven't been home since July. Yeah, you know those saying that... My house is my place. I keep my stuff while I go out and buy other stuff. That's not really a saying, but maybe it is for you. (laughs) It is a saying. No, it's not. I've seen it on, like, placards at home shows. What home shows are you going to? Do you have another wife? Is that where you're going all these times? (laughs) Well, I did go to Hascon. I sat that one out. It was quite a drive, about 20 hours each way, but I picked up on the way a giant porg. Would you call it eporgus? It's porgantic. It is like human size. It's bigger than human size. If I saw this in the wild, I I would be so scared. It's just, it's massive. And he looks like Wilfred Brimley. (laughs) Have you seen the movie Critters 2? No. I think it's Critters 2, where you have all the little critters that have been attacking people throughout the movie, and then at the end, the giant critter shows up and, like, attacks and is, like, monstrous. That is this porg to the Funko Porgs. Oh my gosh, it's huge. I had fallen in love with this when I saw this, and it I, I got a little sneak preview of the toys before Force Friday. I took a little trip somewhere and got some exclusive look at things, and I kept hugging this little port. He, he makes sounds. And then on Force Friday, we didn't win it. How could we not? There were seven people, and there were three of us, but... Yeah. We went with Andrew. We had a ball. Andrew came down to us because we had one of the only targets south of Chicago doing it. There were only three in the entire state that were doing it, and we had one of them. We had a great time with Andrew, and neither one of us won the giant pork, so I hopped on eBay and found one on your way to Hascon, and you got it for a steal. Technically, I found it, because I called you and I said, oh, by the way, I'm picking up a porg on my way to Hascon. It couldn't have been better. I didn't even have to divert from the route. It was literally in a city I was going through anyway. Yeah, that was just perfect. So it was meant to be. I mean, what happened was Target gave away two of these porgs at each event. And most people who won them were like, great, it's what do we do with it? It's huge. And so a ton went up on eBay. But because of the size, virtually all of them were pickup only. So this was the most convenient one. Now, I understand these will be sold. Yes, we were told that they'd be sold and the retail price would be $399. And the company is that 720 company that is starting to do a lot of the plushes. They've got the little backpack plush that we found at Best Buy and some various other things. So they do have some other porgs out there of varying sizes. But this company like came fast and heavy 
onto the market, and I believe they used to be called Underground Toys. It looks like they're now selling under $7.20, and we found them at San Diego, and I bought some stuff there. They had some really cool housewares there that you can find at Think Geek, like with the gold Star Wars logo and some stars on it. It's really cool, fashionable things, but it looks like they're expanding more into plushes. Well, I was able to pick it up still new in bag for 200 So versus waiting for the retail at 400 I was happy to take advantage of these people wanting it out of their house. And so I picked it up on the way to Hascon. It was so big, the seatbelt didn't fit around it. <laughs> you rode with a shotgun the rest of the way, didn't you? The rest of the way there, but it was really hindering the side view mirror. Yeah, it looked like you were just traveling with a giant orb. <laughs> At a truck stop, one lady who was changing a diaper turns and goes, is that a penguin? And I went, yeah, it's a penguin. And then she goes, see, baby, that's a penguin, but it's much bigger than yours. All right, then. But at Hascon, I did pick up the exclusive Rex figure that went up for sale at Hasbro Toy Shop, and it lasted a little while. I got to say, it was really easy to get at Hascon. I went there... And I was in and out of their toy line in 15 minutes flat. Yeah, that's unheard of. That was like the very first days of San Diego when we were able to walk right up to HTS and buy something without a line. Remember those days you could get a hotel like the week before? Oh, I miss those days. Yeah. They did have all of their San Diego Comic-Con exclusives, but they did not have the Celebration exclusive X-Wing Luke. You know, people had theorized that... Luke would be there, but I think Luke's gone. And by the time I got there, Thrawn was gone. It had sold out maybe a half an hour before I got there only. They hadn't even gotten around to crossing him off the board. But it was a pretty smooth transaction. It's kind of hard to describe Hascon, because imagine a convention with no vendors. I mean, that's the weird thing about this, is the entire thing was marketing for Hasbro. Somebody asked me if I thought Hascon was a success, and I said it's weird, because when Wizard World, or San Diego, or Reed looks at was a convention a success, I mean, I'm sure they look at satisfaction of attendees, but they also look at how much money did we make on ticket sales, how much money did we make in the autograph area, how much money did we make selling booths, how much did we spend to throw the con, and did we make a profit? But for Hasbro, they weren't selling autographs. Every autograph there was free, except for some of the more expensive VIP packages like Marky Mark for Transformers. Did you go to Marky Mark? I did not see Marky Mark. You didn't even see him? No. Rumor has it they were going to fly in Michael Bay, too, but his demands were ludicrous. And they didn't have ludicrous either, but they did have Florida. Oh, well... That's exciting for you, I guess. And maybe Michael Bay, I bet in his contract that you have to have X number of explosions <laughs> for him to show up. Because every movie just crap blows up. But the only Star Wars guest was Chewbacca Mom? Is she really a Star Wars guest? I mean... She's a Star Wars person who was a guest there. I, I think calling her a Star Wars person, you're really stretching it. But... The Star Wars people I cared about were the Star Wars brand team. And that's the thing about Hascon. Without vendors, the only place you're buying stuff is in their store, where they had the exclusives. And then they also had, like, the first wave that came out Force Friday, too. And, you know, it's Hascon. And they really downplayed Star Wars 
and Marvel in the press releases. What are they pushing? Their own intellectual properties. My Little Pony, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Micronauts. Keep in mind, Arnie, there's a Ponies movie coming out, and it's the first wide-release MLP movie coming out. Last year, I believe, was the first wide-release gem movie that came out, too. And that did not go well, did it? So, I was happy to see at the end they did up their Star Wars and Marvel content. It was James Gunn, honestly, that got me to make that trip because I wanted his autograph, and he does not appear much. But, so you go in, and all they have are huge displays. If you've been to San Diego, or if you've seen our coverage of Toy Fair, it's like that writ large. It's like the Star Wars area of San Diego Comic-Con run through the Honey, I Blew Up the Baby filter, so you just have a lot more space. So things are further apart, and you're not bumping into people, and you're not knocking down display cases, and not everything feels so cramped, and the lights don't feel like you're in a seedy club the way it does on the floor of Comic-Con. I don't know that it feels like I'm in a seedy club. It feels like perhaps between the actual convention center lighting and then the position of the lighting actually within the booth, because there's ceiling lighting and then there's booth lighting. I feel that someone is really trying to, like, burn my retinas. I mean, there's no Funko booth. Don't get me wrong. The Funko booth is, like, neon green LEDs. And that, I will see those neon green LEDs for three days after seeing the Funko booth at Toy Fair. But I go and photograph the Hasbro booth, and the lighting in there is miserable because it's dim. I mean, there's lights in the display, but it's still dim compared to this, which felt like a brightly lit room. A brightly lit room where I didn't want to go into three quarters of it because it was full of trolls and ponies. And every day is kids' day. You know what? Most cons, Sunday is kids' day. Every day was kids' day at Hascon. I have never seen so many strollers ever at a convention. Hasbro marketed it as a Famicom. Famicon. Yeah, that's right. Famicom is the old Nintendo. This was a Famicon. And... It worked. It brought in families from the area. But I don't know how much to do there. I did talk to Jeff Labovitz, who is no longer with the Star Wars team, although he does work on the Galactic Heroes line. He was one of the people who worked on that BB-8 playset. He proudly told me Galactic Heroes had a BB-8 playset first, and then the Black Series people were like, oh, we're going to do one too. Hmm. But I talked to him, and I said, well, I'm only in town today. And he goes, yeah, that's probably enough. (laughs) And he was working at the con. But what was great, absolutely amazing, is the Star Wars brand team was there and they were chill. Usually they're pretty uptight. They're kind of tired. They have a regimented schedule. Well, they're probably tired of some of our peers, and I'm not talking about Star Wars in general, who just, when are you going to make this figure? When are you going to make that figure? And that's, I've seen a lot of the interviews that's what they are at Comic-Con and Toy Fair. And, you know, they can't answer that always, or 99% of the time. So I think after a while, eyes kind of glaze over, and they're just like, no, we can't tell you anything about that. I don't know anything about that. Well, here, I got to talk to Steve on the Star Wars team, and I said, you know, normally, I see you guys and you're pretty tired, but tonight, you get to go home <laughs> and sleep in your own bed. I mean, this was literally across the street from their office. At one point, I was talking to Dwight on the Marvel team, and he's like, yeah, we just got that prototype of the figure in, but I 
haven't had a chance to look at it yet, and I'll look at it when I get back to the office. He was talking to me because he thought we were in New York or San Diego. When the camera turned off, I said, you know, your office is right across the street. You could just run over there and grab that photo. He's like, you should have called me out on camera for that. And when I was talking to Steve, I mentioned that he's like, yeah, usually I get to go out and have fun after a con, and I'd have to go home and tuck my kids in. But they were assigned various duties. Everybody from Hasbro was working the con. Mark Boudreaux, Star Wars designer for 40 years, made all the cool toys I had as a kid. He's standing around there, and I'm like, mind if I tug on your ear for a little bit? He's like, no problem, but we have to come over here. I'm like, why? And he went over to where Ray's speeder was on display, the same one we've seen at many cons. He's like, well, my job is to guard the speeder. Oh. So he had to stand by the speeder, and he was assigned that duty. <laughs> Whereas normally you see security staff or things, it was in all Hasbro hands on deck. Mark Boudreaux, it doesn't matter how great a genius toy designer you are, you're guarding the speeder now. And when it came to the Marvel team, Dwight Stahl, he was the person in charge of taking photos of people while they posed with James Gunn. I mean, it was just everybody doing everything, but... It was great because Mark Boudreaux, I'm usually given 10 minutes with him because at a con, everybody's pulling him away. At this con, it didn't seem like a lot of people knew who the Hasbro people were. So I was able to just chat with Steve and chat with Joe Ninavaji. And I just went up to Mark Boudreaux and I'm like, hey, can I ask you some questions? He was the guy who developed a lot of the Force Link technology. And if you listen to our last show where I smashed Chewbacca. Aww. Poor Chewbacca. I had a theory. My, Do you remember this, Marjorie? My, yes, that the voice was stored in the gauntlet and not the figure because you have a finite number in there and the figures aren't big enough because it was just a little chip. And the figures have no power supply. Mm-hmm. And I figured it worked like a badge reader at work. I mean, when you go to a place that you have to badge in, your badge doesn't have a battery. It has a chip that is read by a near-field communication device. And he confirmed it. I was right. I reverse architected it correctly. Yay! And he had so much fun talking about that. And I didn't realize that the gauntlet, the Forceling gauntlet, has an accelerometer in it. So if you get the TIE Fighter for The Last Jedi, when you move the TIE Fighter around, it makes sounds versus just being in proximity. Oh, so it's got an extra special thing. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So you don't have to do your Exactly, because they said it didn't make sense to do certain things to make a TIE fighter fight. And so you kind of just like shake it and it'll start making the blaster sounds and things. So it's actually got more to it than just the badge reader technology. Hmm. And we also talked in depth about the playset because he was really proud of that. I'm like, so tell me some of the stuff that went... and. I'm sorry I don't have this recorded, but it was a casual conversation, but I got some great information, so I have to relay it this way. But I said, tell me how this came about. I mean, is the BB-8 a way to sell it? And they're like, well, they wanted to make a big BB-8, and they thought that would sell, and we found a way that we could backdoor a playset into it. And my big question, especially with their display there, is what's it a playset of? Because in the bottom of it, is like a dungeon, and they had Ray on the rack like you saw in The Force Awakens, but in the top level was Snoke and the throne room. And I know there's some rumors going around, I don't know if I believe, about there being another Death Star in Episode Eight or something. I'm sorry, haven't they figured out why they keep getting blown up? 
I mean, go with another weapon. Come on. I'm losing all respect for them at this point. Especially if you take the old, now legacy EU into account. They had a lot of Death Stars in there. I mean, if they only have, like, one warehouse facility and one manufacturing facility, well, all we can make are these Death Star plans. But I asked him, because I'm curious, is this some kind of spoiler for Episode Eight, or is this just a weird amalgam of sets? He was very political. He didn't say anything specific, but he said that there were sets there, and I think like Snoke's throne room, that are Episode Eight specific. But... They decided they could flesh it out a little bit more. Like, it makes sense to think any Imperial facility would have a detention area. And so they were able to make a detention area and sell it to Lucasfilm like that. Like, of course Imperials have a detention area. And so they modeled it after where Ray was caught there. So uh, maybe an extrapolation of stuff we see in Episode Eight. Well, considering they're still going with the Death Star theme. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> But I'm going to say they don't seem to be too original. But that's what I love about this BB-8 playset is it reminds me of my Death Star playset when I was a kid. You know, it's got the multi-levels and everything, and I loved that Death Star playset. And so my instant thing was that this was a Death Star or maybe Star Killer base. But as far as I know, Snoke didn't have a throne room on Star Killer base. He could have. I mean... He might have. Again, that could be an extrapolation that if he ever stopped by, you had to have a palace room for him in that opportunity. I demand that as well. So if I visit your house, I must have a palace room. But it was fun. You know what else I liked about Hascon? You were able to touch the toys. They had all the three and three quarter inch figures out there, including some that aren't yet available. And you're able to like move them and pose them and really look at them. And they had it there where you could demo the Force Link technology with them. That was a lot of fun. But as far as Star Wars goes, beyond just chatting with the brand team, and really it would require a familiarity, you're either paying real close attention at the panels, or you run a blog or a site, I think you'd go in, you'd be like, oh, there's the setup they had, you know, the really nice display that they had at San Diego. You get to see it, but at most... 45 minutes and done. Now, they did have kids' events like Lightsaber Training Academy. If you had young Padawans with you, they tried to make it like a Disneyland-esque experience with various shows and people on stage and things. So that's great if you have kids, but if you're just a collector geek of yourself, I don't know that you'll find a lot to do there after a couple hours. And I don't know from what it sounds like that it would be good to make a weekend out of unless you're going through for something else, like a one-day stop in Providence on your way up to Maine or something, but it doesn't sound like it would be a whole weekend thing. It does sound like they're talking about doing this next year because when I would talk to them, they're like, well, next year we're going to do this. Next year we're going to do that. And that goes back to what makes it a success for them because since they're not selling anything there... Other than tickets to the event, which went real cheap on Groupon before the event. They were down to $20 on Groupon. Then they have to look at this as a marketing expense. It's kind of like buying commercials on Cartoon Network. You're not going to see direct results from that. You're not going to make money off the commercial. You make money off sales that the commercial just spawns. So this was a giant commercial convention. That was kind of fun, and I would go next year. I really had a good time seeing some of the stuff they put out and talking to the Star Wars brand team. But if you're not in the area, 
I'm not positive that it's worth it for general travel. You can buy their exclusive figure, even if you're paying a scalper's fee on eBay, a lot cheaper than a flight to Providence. It's expensive to go to Providence by air. Yeah, they don't have like a giant airport, so it is easier to fly into Boston, but I, I don't know that it's worth it just for that. But I did get to talk with Joe and Steve on camera. We did this live on Facebook to talk about Star Wars products and things coming up. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, here's the audio from that interview. And we are here with Joe and Steve from the Star Wars team at HasCon. Nice. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. So this is a new time to see you of year. I haven't seen you guys, like, around Labor Day. Hey, any time we could see you is a good time. So we're happy we did this because of that. Especially yeah. when I only have to get up and t- like travel 10 minutes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, you guys get to go home at this time. I know, I know. Yeah, that's a little different, yeah, for sure. Home but turf, yeah. home turf. I would do better than the Patriots did. <laughs> so how is this convention going for you? I mean, this is a new experience, mm-hmm. bringing people, having all of the Hasbro brands together. How's it been? It's been fantastic. I mean, today the turnout's been huge. Um, you know, we said it, it, it's it's a very different kind of convention. You know, we're always we're always seeing you at like Comic Con or Celebration that are, you know, they're very you know more serious, targeted to the fan. But this is more family. So seeing you know kids play with our toys and our lightsabers and just uh, you know the mix of, of fans and you know little kids enjoying Star Wars. Plus we have a much bigger booth. Yeah. It's just been uh, it's been awesome. Space. Really exciting. You have space to look at things and uh, take photographs without kind of being jostled around. That's. Uh, Hope it's nice and easy for you. Oh, I love that. And the lighting. I just got to say that I've been able to see your yeah. diorama so much better here yeah. than I could at Comic-Con where right. they always go for that atmospheric mood lighting. That's right. Yep. Yep. We've heard that too. So, yeah. so some questions for you guys about the product. I want to, first of all, say great uh, launch for The Last Jedi. I really enjoyed all the stuff that came out. Awesome. Um, How the, many porgs did you buy? I have seven Chewbacca's with porgs right now. Okay, <laughs> and did you see my Hascon or Bust Hitchhiker porg? No, I didn't. I, I have to show you. I got the four-foot porg, oh, and I got put it on the road with a Hascon or Bust oh, sign. Nice. That's great. <laughs> it was my passenger coming out here on the road. <laughs> but the 40th anniversary collection on the cards, is that done shipping? Is that over? Yeah, the second wave is done shipping, so it's making. there's still some inventory yet to hit shelf. Uh, the only thing else that's um, been kind of just recently shipped are some more Han and R2s from Wave 1. So those will hit stores a little bit later in the year. Um, and then that's it. Then we're out of that, and then we're on to the next thing. And the next thing is the Vintage Collection in 3 and 3 quarter? Right. Vintage Collection 2018, All for cards. sure. Lots yeah. of cards. We like cards, right? When are you looking at that rolling out? That'll be Spring 18. Spring 18. Yeah, Spring 18 it'll roll out, and then it's going to uh, continue onwards. Now, I saw some of your presentation yesterday. I didn't catch a mention of Dr. Afra. Is that going to be in the first wave, or when is that slated? No, that's not in the first wave. It's going to be uh, in one of the preceding waves, but definitely 2018. We're still working. We're kind of of, uh, deco stage with her, so we kind of got the sculpt approved. We're moving through that, so we're kind of working out how to best paint her. So, yeah, later on in the year. Is the 5 POA 3 and 3 quarter inch line still going to continue when the articulated line comes out? Absolutely, yeah. There's been some confusion about that. That is definitely going to remain the, you know, the core of our main line. Um, so we have our Force Away, our um, Last Jedi product, and uh, you know, we'll continue that for Han Solo and beyond. Um, and then the Vintage will be incremental to that. It won't be in place of. And what about the 6 inch line? Because you guys really have focused collectors on the 6 inch line for the past number of years. I know a lot of collectors 
I, I, you know, a lot have gone to it, a lot haven't. Is there still going to be a focus on the six-inch line as well as alongside the three and three-quarter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, six-inch for us has been selling tremendously well, um, and uh, it's from our launch in 13 up until now, it's really kind of become, I would say, you know, the core of, of our, our sort of collector um efforts but you know the vintage collection is back that was brought back by a demand and love from the collectors and from the fans so uh we have a couple of things to focus on now which is really nice yeah, it's kind of, i know this is the driest way to say but it's like portfolio management right. i mean what the hell does that mean but it's what it really is, is like we got a real raft of audience and like we didn't really know who our audience was until force awakens came out but that and rogue one and coming into last jedi we're kind of getting a good sense of who's buying what who wants what and, you know, our job is to try and make sure that everyone gets a little bit of something, a little bit of Star Wars that they can kind of take home and love. So we have six-inch collectors. We have three and three-quarter-inch super articulated. We have, we, have, we have collectors that collect five-point. We have kids that play with five. We have kids that grab a, grab a six-inch and play with that yep. if they can afford it, you know, in terms of, like, buying lots of that. So just finding that balance, and that'll be an ongoing process, I think, forever, really. Yep. Now, to get a little bit uh, into those weeds with you when you talk about the management and things. I read an article, I think it was in Bloomberg, about the launch of uh, The Last Jedi. And it talked specifically about Hasbro and the midnight events and having, you know, a little bit less uh, activity on the midnight events, but still really solid. It, it had a line that I'm interested in your take on, because it said that as the Star Wars movies come out annually, they're seeing a leveling off among the casual consumers but that the fan spend is consistent. And I'm wondering, do you guys, because we always have, for years I've talked to you guys, it's like, you know, what do kids play with? What do collectors get? Do you guys have metrics beyond just social media to know what a fan spends versus what you guys are getting uh, from people who are just new and hyped by the new movie? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that we research that and we, we analyze that kind of data. Just to, like you're saying, just to get a sense, I mean, the, the landscape has changed a lot in the last few years with a new generation coming in and, you know, uh, a lot more girls involved in Star Wars than perhaps in the past. Um, you know, I, I think also it, it's only inevitable that, you know, the, the big Midnight Madness launches, you'll see a bigger fan turnout uh, because, you know, Lucasfilm and Disney will start movie marketing soon and you know the awareness of the movie coming up and the excitement amongst kids and everything you know that'll that'll happen I, I would I don't think it's fair to say that the um, you know the overall um, engagement or the overall sales of the line are, are different I mean it's Star Wars I mean and we're just getting started for uh, for the last Jedi now yeah and they were saying it was good when they yeah. said level off they weren't meaning dip yeah. they were just saying you know leveling off and finding its place after all the excitement for I mean, the force awakens it was like a decade of pent-up demand yeah. for the force awakens for sure i mean nothing's like that but it's yeah like, like lightning in a bottle i mean right. it's like you can't i don't know whether you can replicate that that again so quickly right. for each and every single episode yeah. but it's a, what we're finding is that a lot of the kids that are into uh, force awakens have become almost kind of fledgling collectors they'll stay with it sure. and we'll bring in new people as we kind of each, each movie but uh, yeah, the audience changes all the time, so that takes us back to like we've got to stay on our toes, reevaluating who our audience is, at, like every year. Yep. So it changes; it's, it's evolving all the time. Yep. And speaking of that, the Forces of Destiny line is something new you brought in to bring a new play pattern and kind of appeal to a different audience. I have a very technical question. Uh, your PR company sent us some products for review. We had uh, one of our guys review it with his eight-year-old daughter, yeah. and she has a very important question. What do you do once the braid comes out of the hair? Is there an easy way to get that back in? 
I am not the expert on that. I, I'm afraid I, I don't know. I, I, I braid my uh, my daughter Bethany's hair every night before she goes to bed because she has really thick hair and it goes like wire. And that is difficult on real size. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. I think is the only advice I've got for that young lady, unfortunately. But perseverance will take you all the way. Okay, she wanted to be sure I got that question and she said her dad texted right. me three times all today right. ask about the braids. So, uh, looking into next year, uh, do you know, are you able to tell me, you obviously know, how many vintage collection three and three quarter inch figures, new and repack combined, are going to be released? Yeah, I mean, I think at uh, San Diego Comic Con, we showed essentially the line for 18. Okay, so, cool. what we showed you, yeah. So, we kind of showed all the figures that we could announce, and I think we had like five or so, five or six yeah. kind of new ones that we couldn't talk about. So, for that's 18. That's right, because that, I'm like, yeah. Snoke was new, but that's right, there were a couple so, placeholders yeah, for the movie. For 18, we showed that all at uh, San Diego Comic Con. So, we're working on 19 now, which is. Good fun, huh? Yeah, I know. I... And the feedback we got from everyone on that is influencing our kind of decisions because we know we want to, we, we kind of want to know who our audience is. So, and the BB 8 playset, I mentioned off air that I picked that up opening night. What kind of uh, response are you seeing to the playset? Does this give people hope for future playsets? Are we still in a wait and see? Yeah, I mean, we've seen really good response and people are excited to see playsets back. It's, it's funny because we knew it was coming, and a lot of the conventions, too, fans are like, when are you guys going to bring playsets back? We need playsets, playsets. We're like, oh, that's a good idea, you know, and, and, and to finally be able to bring it. Um, you know, Steve has particular heart for it, so uh, we'll see how, how it sells. I mean, we're, we're bullish on it. We think it's going to be great. It's packed with awesome features, especially some really great features for the Force Link you don't get anywhere else, so we'll see. And I was talking to Mark Boudreau about it earlier, who did the design of it. He's really excited by it, and it was a great conversation I had yeah. with him about it, and how he was able to put a lot of that play value in. He mentioned there was going to be another one coming without the Force Link band at a lower price point. Is, do you guys know about that or when it's shipping? Is there, is there a different version that we kind of did without the Force Link? Um, inter internationally, uh, some, some markets outside of the U.S. will have an option to have it without same, the Force same Link. Place, yeah. same right. Place, same one. But it's not going to be available in the U.S. without the Force Link? No. No. We wanted to make sure, at least in the U.S., that you buy the playset, you get the Force Link, because that unlocks so much of the magic of it. So... Awesome. And yeah, you guys are kind of living it. You know, when you talk to me, I'm, you're two years behind because you guys know what's coming. And so you have to bite your tongue a little bit. I, I, <laughs> I want to also say that Rathtar was absolutely amazing. Um, any tips for getting those legs to stick in, though? I'll talk to you about that one. So now this is a good example where, you know, having fans on Instagram and Facebook kind of come back and say, hey, man, this this is difficult. Um, I got one out and tried to do it, and yeah, it was difficult. So we we put out a, actually a, a video on YouTube um, explaining that you you push it in and give it a twist. The magic is in the twist. So push the legs in and give them a twist. It works better when there's a harder durometer, which means the body is harder. Um, but yeah, it should the legs should fit better. I've seen like the one over there that they're demonstrating works fine, absolutely perfectly. And I've seen ones that don't work so well. So we're working with our manufacturers to make sure that as we move forward that that is rectified and. I think we'll kind of, as I said, we put stuff on YouTube to help explain that. So we like to try and react as quickly as we can. And it's literally me, me talking over someone doing it. So we were out there in like day, in a day. So yeah. Nice, because I actually got that before street date, uh, thanks to Wizard World. And I'm trying to put that thing together. Obviously, your video wasn't out. I'm like, did they keep costs down by not paying somebody to do this? Are you crowdsourcing figure assembly now? You're 5 POA. Just pop the arms and legs in yourself. I was like, what's if, going if, on? If you don't want to do it by A, B, C, D, you just stick them in wherever you like. Yeah. 
Don't, you don't have to follow that. But it makes a great sound with that force link, I tell you. It's yeah. the best sounding force link figure out there. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. I, I'm, I'm impressed with the force link technology. I talked to Mark about that as well. Yeah. You know, for what it is, just, you know, the little, the, having the chip in the figure. I, I, you know, I liked having figure stands, but right. the fact that it's in there and with the probe droid, with the Rathtar, that kind of stuff. Um, the probe droid, people are having trouble finding it because it's one per case versus three Raftars. Or is, is, that, is there going to be a variation of that case assortment? Uh, not planned, no, but we'll get enough out there. If for some reason the demand becomes the point where we're not satisfying it, then we may repack it uh, you know, in the future, but nothing planned right now. Okay, that was just some feedback, you know, again, from the initial launch was, um, you know, a lot of OT people wanting the new probe droid. That, that is, sculpt and the deco on that yeah uh, the articulation yeah. in the legs i mean it's part of your five poa line but that thing has so much articulation yeah. in it and it was so yeah. nice to see the new sculpt wait to see the wampa i would almost call that a super articulated figure it's got arms it's got knees it's got it's cool he's cool <laughs> all right guys thank you so much for your time great to see you and i'll see you in new york sounds good thanks, good to see you thanks guys Bye. thanks to the hasbro brand team for talking to me and I'm going to be talking to them again just around the corner. <laughs> I laugh because it's not funny. <laughs> so if you guys have questions you want me to ask the Hasbro brand team for Star Wars, please come to our forums and post in the show thread or tweet us. Let us know what you want to know. We're SW Action News on Twitter. I want to ask your questions because... Between San Diego in July, has gone in September, and the fact that they're really tight-lipped and can't really talk too much about Han Solo and things, then let us know what you want us to find out. You can also hit us up on Facebook when we post a show with your questions for Hasbro as well. We'll probably have a separate post on there, so plenty of ways to get your questions in for Hasbro. Keep in mind, like Arnie said, they can't talk about the Han Solo movie, most likely, and if there's any more stuff coming out for The Last Jedi, we, they probably can't talk about that either. I did ask a question after the camera stopped, because I didn't feel like this was one they might answer, but while I was wrapping up the cords and things, I said, hey, don't know if you guys would answer this or not, but are you guys scrambling with that Han Solo movie, given that like some of the cast left? And they're changing the whole movie, and they're hiring new people. Like, did you have faces and things, like figures, that now you have to throw out? I mean, can you answer that question? And here's what I was told. It didn't affect them too much. And they're lucky because the Han Solo movie comes out in May, and it's not like The Last Jedi. They're not looking at just getting all their product out in three months. They're looking at taking their stuff for the Han Solo movie and releasing it throughout the rest of that year. So there will be seven, eight months of Han Solo merchandise coming out. And so they said they had to rearrange some figures. Some figures that were going to come out later are now going to come out earlier to give them a chance to maybe retool or something, some figures for later on. But it's interesting to know that I'm curious if we'll have a big launch for Han Solo the way they did for Rogue One. And, you know, they called it Rogue Friday versus Force Friday. Yeah, and that one was very lackluster, if you recall. It was just kind of not the same fanfare. So maybe the off years aren't going to be as bombastic. Especially if they're going to do a slower rollout of the figures. Yes. 
But another piece of news you may have noticed in that interview, the 40th anniversary is coming to an end already. It's almost like a real anniversary. It didn't last very long. It's not an entire year celebration. The second wave of 40th anniversary figures are done shipping. I know a lot of people, myself included, got a little bit hosed. Entertainment Earth uh, canceled a lot of orders. All of them, as a matter of fact, and then relisted the items. All the ones we know about. I don't know if they shipped any or not, but when they relisted, I've placed another order, fingers crossed. But if you haven't gotten your figures yet, now is the time to try to snag them. And now that you've got these big figures on vintage cards... I've had this problem very specifically with the X-Wing Lukes because I buy the other figures by the case. I'm able to keep them in the case for protection, but the X-Wing Lukes, I'm so scared of damaging. So fortunately, our Marvelicious Toys co-host and good friend Justin has the perfect solution. He has started a new business called Figure Shield, where he has released his first product, which is a protective case specifically for... Star Wars Black Series 40th Anniversary Figures. So, Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I always always like hanging out over here on the Star Wars side of things. So, I've got to ask, what pushed you off the edge of just being a collector into being a manufacturer of collecting supplies? <laughs> I think, you know, it was it was quite a few things happening all at once. You know, it's the the big thing that got me into this was the idea of these 40th anniversary figures being so limited and being so cool and being unprotected just kind of left me shivering. You know, I mean, you know, all of these are hard to find, but you know, you have like the celebration Luke, which has become like gold on the secondary market. I mean, have you seen the prices that some people are paying for that thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not overly OCD or anal about stuff like this, but it really got me thinking. It's like, you know, every other figure line has some way to protect it. And so I started looking around and the only thing that people were offering for this was custom made acrylic cases, which, hey, those are great, but they're going to run you more than what you actually paid for most of those figures at retail. So, you know, with my day job, I'm I'm a graphic designer by trade and I do retail packaging, you know, every day. So I got to thinking like, hey, this would be a good thing for my company, which is a software company to like maybe expand into something else we can do because we do our own warehousing. We do our own manufacturing. We don't, we don't actually make the discs, but we get them in and we, we fill the boxes and we ship them to, you know, Staples and office max and Best Buy and all that ourselves. So I thought, Hey, you know, this is something my company can do that I work with already. And, you know, I got the ball rolling with uh, the printer that I use here locally and kind of got some 3d models made of the idea that I had. And, went back and forth. And as the process went along, I started to realize, you know what? I don't really need my company to do this. You know, basically I would just be giving my company an idea and then still making the same salary that I make and <laughs> doing all the work anyway. So yeah, I, I, I talked to my boss and I said, Hey, you know, this is something I think I want to do on the side. So he was super cool with it. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm cutting checks for more money than I care to admit to make some of these steel dies that you need to make to make these things and you know i'm registering domains and getting tax id numbers from the state and from the feds and and, and now i'm a business it's it's kind of crazy i never thought that i would i would do something like this but that's kind of the kind of the way it rolled downhill for me that is the difference you mentioned you know you could make the same salary you make but 
your business would have the idea, and that is true. But like you alluded to, you had to put out quite a bit initially to do this. Can you tell us what you discovered along the way? Like, take us on your journey from idea to product. Sure. You know, I first and foremost, I didn't really know much about plastics at all, you know. But one thing I did know as a collector is that I wanted to make sure that whatever plastic we used was a good non-acidic plastic. Because, you know, I mean, we've had comic books in the past. We've all had bubbles that turn yellow and stuff like that. And that's, as we come to find out, it's because they've used older plastics that turn yellow and degrade over time. So the, the first thing I learned is that the material we use is an RVPC, which... You know, I still not totally sure what that means or what it stands <laughs> for, but I was I was told by the plastic experts at my manufacturer that that is the, the best quality for, you know, something like this. Beyond that, it was a little bit of digging around and messing around with sizing and making sure everything worked out properly. So, you know, we messed around with some 3D drawings and I got a good feel for how it was going to look and, you know, in the early goings, you know, I had the profile a little bit thicker, not knowing exactly where the line was going to go. They could have eventually made a figure, and they still might. You know, this might go into The Empire Strikes Back in their 40th year and then on to Jedi. So I, I imagine we're going to see more figures here. But kind of had to figure out what the, the maximum width of these things were, like from the side, without making a huge bubble. Because these these things are big, considering how big the cards are. yeah. So, you know, it was, it was all about getting a nice fit. And then the one thing that I did discover along the way is that for whatever reason, Hasbro made these cards in ever so slightly different sizes <laughs> from the retail releases to the exclusives. So the, the that Luke I was talking about, the X-Wing Luke, is a little bit smaller than the other cards. Huh. That's yeah. an interesting choice. <laughs> Or actually, that one's a little bit bigger. The other ones are a little bit smaller. Okay. So I had to make the choice of not making them fit a snap in to the actual tray. If you follow me, I didn't. I didn't want the sides of the cards to get rubbed off by being too tight against the actual structure of the plastic. So when you put a figure in, there's going to be a little bit of wiggle room. There, it's designed with about a sixteenth of an inch of space in there, which some people have said that they wish that they were tight, but. In, in the end, I don't want people ruining their figures or squeezing the cards or damaging cards at all. Once you put them in here and snap that front on, they're not going anywhere. So you don't want to take your figure and shake it around. That might <laughs> ding up the side. But, you know, that was that was one odd thing that I found along the way is the different sizing in what looks to be a uniform line. So you say you don't want to shake them up. One of the things I know I use protective cases for, though, is... Keeping figures in a tote. I mean, would yours protect with that or is it more a display piece? It's a little bit of both. These you can stack. They don't lock stack, but you can stack them on top of each other in a tote. And like I said, these are big, you know, so you might get two, maybe three of them stacked on top of each other in a tote before you need to move on to another tote. But that's why, you know, these these are made so you can sit them on a shelf. They have feet and they have a, a peg hole in which you can hang them on the wall. So you say they have feet. Do they just stand up on their own then? You don't have to use a peg hole? Right. If you want to set them on your desk or a shelf, they do stand up, which is nice. Very cool. Yeah, that's something I know a lot of the cases I've used in the past have a lip at the bottom. So it's hang it or do nothing. Right. And that's one thing that I wanted to do. And we couldn't, 
just these aren't injection molded. These are what's called thermoform plastic, which means it's a negative, but not a negative like an injection mold. This is a positive of what you're making. And then a piece of plastic gets heated up and sucked down on that form to form that shape. So everything that goes on there has to come straight off of it. So you can't have what's called back cuts. Anything that's more than a straight 45 or 90 degree angle, I guess, is going to get stuck on the mold once it cures. So everything has to be slightly less than that 90 degrees. So if you do set it on your desk, it's going to lean forward just slightly. But it's not going to fall over. It's going to maintain its balance. Yes. Yes, indeed. So one thing that I, I really like about these is that, you know, they fit these perfectly. But being a Marvel guy at heart, and I know you are too, these actually do fit Marvel Legends figures, the current box look of Marvel Legends. Now, they're not designed to fit that, so there's a little bit of extra room in the bubbles. But I do have a few of my more, you know, sought after and favorite Marvel Legends hanging on the wall in, in these figure shields. Oh, that's very cool. I'd like to see a picture of that. You can post it to our Facebook page. Will do. And then the other thing I'm hoping to find out, but I'm not going to bet too much on it, but Marvel is coming out this fall with their own kind of vintage look. I think we talked about it on Marvelicious. We're not really sure what to call it. It's like vintage, neo-vintage, but they have a... Six figure set on these old Toy Biz style cards, but with their six inch figures. So I'm hoping these are the same size as the Star Wars ones and they fit. But from from the pictures I've seen and seeing in person, they actually feel like they're a little bit bigger. So I'll I'll know more in about a month from now if if those Marvel ones are going to fit in here or if we're going to have to come up with another solution. And that is another risk, right? I mean, do you run the risk of being given that Star Wars is not continuing this line? They've said that the ones that are shipping is all that's shipped, and they're going to ship a few more Hans and R2s, and that's about it. You know, again, if your company where you work gets stuck with a lot of extra supply, that's no skin off your nose. But that is a risk you're running, right? Definitely. It definitely is. And I will say that, you know, with the current stock that I have, I'm, I am getting down to being low on the current stock that I have, but I am... I am in the process of having more shipped to me here soon, but it gives me hope to know that like I look at the numbers of people that have, you know, inquired and the people who follow us on Facebook and the actual orders that we received. And I know that while we've gotten a lot of collectors with figure shields in their hands, there's still a lot of you guys out there that may not have heard of these or may not have bought some yet. I just know that there's many more unshielded, 40th anniversary figures out there than what I have sitting in my inventory. I'll just say that. Yeah, because as far as I know, you're the only game in town when it comes to these six inch carded figures. I've not seen anybody else except for, like you say, the acrylic custom made option. Yeah, there's no other snap together clamshell traditional type of thing. I've seen there's another couple companies out there that they make. It's basically just plastic folded into the shape of a box. You know, they're I've seen them before for like pop collectibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They make them for in this size too, but you know, I, I tried a couple of those just as a competitive, you know, analysis and they're good for displaying and good for keeping the dust off, but they really don't offer any type of protection or stackability. If like you said before, if you're going to store them in a tote in your back room, I have a feeling those are just going to give under their own weight eventually. Yeah. And plus given that this is a carded item and that's just a box, it's not going to, keep it in any specific place it could tilt 
Sure. And it doesn't do anything to help prevent, you know, card warpage over time. You know, these, once you put them in, in a figure shield, it's going to want to stay in that shield and keep its shape as, as much as possible. So what kind of feedback have you gotten from your customers so far? What's, what have you heard? You know, the, the vast majority of everything I've heard has been very positive. A lot of people were very happy to have this option because like we said, it was acrylic or these other boxes or, or nothing. And I, we have heard a few things that, you know, I will take into consideration moving forward. Um, one of the decisions we had to make was where to place the peg hole as far as to make these things hang on your wall straight. And so what we did is we actually lined it up exactly where Hasbro has them hanging because that's, you know, it makes sense. It's off-centered because it's trying to offset the weight of the figure. Well, that's all good in theory and everything, but these figures vary in weight greatly. I mean, you've got the R2 You've got the Jawa that weigh barely anything, and you get up to Vader and, and Chewbacca who weigh almost half a pound each. So <laughs> there's no one sweet spot in here to actually put a pin and make every one of them hang straight. But, you know, we found some workarounds. You know, you can use two pins in the same peg hole or you can, you know, put a pin off to the side once you get it straight to kind of hold it from going off to the other side. There's There's some workarounds on that. But, yeah, other than that, you know, the majority of feedback we've gotten has been very, very positive. It's it's actually made me feel pretty good to be able to actually do something with collecting rather than spend money on it and then talk <laughs> about it on podcasts. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. <laughs> so with your experience here, are you considering looking at other formats like Star Wars Black Series 6-inch or 3 and 3 quarter inch or any of these other formats? I'm considering a lot of ideas. Um, the reality of it is, is we have to do what makes sense. And I would love to offer things for the Black Series that are in the boxes. But when you take a step back and think about what those are, those are boxes. So I don't know that a clamshell and adding that extra, you know, material to the side and bottom and top is all that appealing to too many people when there are other options for those. But the one thing that I do want to concentrate on is I am going to offer six by nine, the standard six by nine vintage card size as our next product. We've got those in development right now, and we hope to have them ready to go at the beginning of the year before, before the vintage series returns to stores this year, next year, we're, we're going to have this six by nine style ready to go. Oh, cool. I, you know, we're friends. I didn't know you were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a pretty new development. I mean, I've been thinking about it, and I just actually yesterday signed off on some initial 3D designs on it. So things are moving along nicely. And one of the things I wanted to do that was a little bit different, because now we're getting into an area where there are options. You know, there's the ProTech cases that have been around forever, the Star cases. And I'll be honest with you, I've never really liked the look of those. They just they feel very bulky. And one size fits all. I, I've always liked, remember when the vintage collection first came out, they actually came preloaded in a clamshell? Yes. Yeah. I really liked how slick and slim those were. And so I'm going to bring it back to that. We're going to get these so you're not wasting all this airspace and storage space like uh, the Protex are, where you get like four inches of space for a, a one and a half inch, you know, depth figure. And then one other thing that we're working on is an insert tray for six by nines that will help fit these new smaller size figures. You know, ever since Hasbro and other companies moved away from the standard six by nine, it's, you know, these cards keep shrinking and shrinking 
And there's just no way to make a case specific for each one of these lines because those lines come and three months later they're gone. So we need to try to find a solution so everything will fit in the six by nine, but we're making a tray so it'll sit in there nicely and not shake around. We're actually going to secure it in there. So that, that's one thing that we're working out the kinks on right now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've got a, a decent solution to that coming for it. Very cool. Well, Justin, thank you for telling us about the products. I've got a couple myself to keep things like that X-Wing Luke in, and I appreciate you stepping up and, you know, betting on yourself and betting on your product with this, and I'm glad to hear it's going well. Hey, thanks for having me, and thanks for talking about it. It's always it's always nice to get the word out there to other fans and stuff, and I know I know a lot of a lot of your listeners are are big big collectors. So, if anybody has any questions, you know, you can feel free to to hit me up on our Facebook page. We're, we're just Figure Shield on Facebook. You can find us there, and we, we answer questions as quickly as we can. Thank you, Justin. And to let Star Wars Action News listeners know, he is running a special for you listeners only. The coupon code SWAN15, S-W-A-N-1-5, will get you 15% off your order from now through Halloween, October 31st. So get your orders in now, and thank you, Justin, again. You can get those ordered at figureshield.com. If you want to hear more with Justin, join us on Marvelicious Toys. We had a show come out late last week. And, of course, follow us if you collect Marvel at Marvelicious Toys as we report from the next con, New York Comic Con. Yeah, just when I took a breath and then boom, here we are, New York Comic Con time. But I'm not really complaining because of all the cities we go to that have conventions. I love New York and I will always go to New York no matter what. It's ironic because you won't wear an I Heart NY t-shirt, but yet you heart NY. Well, that's because I may be from the Midwest, but I am not a rube. (laughs) But yes, it is the best city in the entire world. No offense to any other cities. But we're going to New York Comic Con. We'll be there. Well, actually, the convention's Thursday through Sunday. We'll be in town Wednesday through Sunday. Going to have some fun. Going to talk to the Hasbro people. You've got an interview coming up with them. We're going to be out on the show floor having some fun. So definitely find us if you're there. And there are some neat events going on. First of all, New York Comic Con, they're run by Reed Pop, which also runs Star Wars Celebration and C2E2. They've instituted a lottery for getting into the sought-after panel signings booth exclusives this year. What a fuster cluck. Um, there's been a little bit of a problem. So, for example, someone we know won the Lego lottery every single day. I won the Lego lottery. Arnie won the Lego lottery. There are people who won the Lego lottery two times in one day. Some people won it for days they weren't going. And same thing going on with the Funko lottery. There are people who have won three time slots on the same day. Some people have won time slots for days they're not going. That's their fault. You were told to only pick times on days you were going, but it does seem like there's a bit of a mess up. And I entered a lot of lotteries because I wanted a shot at the Lego exclusive, but they didn't even say what it was at that point. I can't wait to talk about it. I wanted the Funko exclusives, as always. And as always, I will not be getting the New York Comic Con Funko exclusives. We have really bad luck at New York with that. Well, I'd like to point out, though, 99% of these exclusives are shared exclusives with places like Hot Topic, GameStop, Barnes & Noble. Bankruptcy R Us. Yes. So it is 
feasible that if you're paying attention to Facebook, and I post the links on our Facebook page as soon as I get them, but you can get these. So don't freak out thinking you're never going to get these items, but follow us on Facebook and I post the links as soon as I find them, as soon as the items are live, because a lot of times they'll put out like a placeholder page and then I'll notice it's live within minutes and throw it up there. So don't despair yet, people. But I also entered for things like the Todd McFarlane autograph session and a number of the harder to get into panels. And I didn't even receive rejections. I'm assuming no news is bad news as the only thing I did get was Lego. Yeah, a lot of people who didn't win anything didn't get any emails at all. So if you didn't get anything, that's you didn't win it. But I feel like... Other than Celebration, New York Comic Con is the most Star Wars-y con in the country this year. I'm thinking maybe even more than D23. Look at their autograph guess. Mark Hamill is going to be there. And it was erroneously reported as his last convention ever. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, just my last this year. Yeah. And I remember seeing him at San Diego In the early days of this show, when I just started autograph collecting and just started going to San Diego Comic-Con, and he showed up for his signing about two hours late, and that was back in the days where I actually had two hours of time to spend at San Diego in a line, and I believe his autograph was, what, 125? I believe it was 225. 225? And I believe you balked at it, but then I, like, I'm like, I have to have the twin sons, remember? He's 295 at New York Comic-Con. Inflation! Also there, somebody who I never thought you'd get another shot at, Felicity Jones is going to be there. So if you need a photo op where it's going to look like you won Employee of the Month, now's your chance! It looks like she's only there on Friday. She has one photo op. I'm sorry, those were the worst photo ops. No, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay, Sarah Michelle Gellar were the worst because she would stand three feet away from people and lean in the frame like you'd get her half her body. Like, she was afraid she'd get some sort of cooties from people. And Felicity Jones, dressed in a nice pantsuit. I mean, she looked very nice. However, every single photo I saw was like she came to the factory and was awarding Employee of the Month. Because everyone was wearing shorts and a t-shirt at the convention. Yeah, it's bad. If you are doing that photo op, I highly suggest you wear a tie. Well, with... The clothing. I mean, I would maybe dress nice and just don't throw a tie on with your shirt you got from Loot Crate. That would actually be funny. I would I would like to see that photo, too. There's a number of voice actors doing signings. Nolan North, Jason Isaac, Jim Cummings. And I'm excited. I didn't get another Mark Hamill autograph. I have him in my original visual dictionary. But I did get us tickets to the Saturday Night Mark Hamill show. Yeah, I remember we went to the Carrie Fisher one at the only Los Angeles celebration. And it was fun because that's when she was kind of coming into her own stage play and, you know, doing her one woman show. And she was good and funny. I'm hoping for the same for Mark Hamill. This could be a disaster. I don't know. He did a similar show at Celebration. And I've been kicking myself up and down for not going because everybody said it was tremendous. Although it wasn't a ticketed event like this. It was just a Mark Hamill one-man panel. And so I'm looking forward to seeing this at New York and having a nice Saturday night. I mean, what's New York if you don't take in a show? I don't think this is the show they mean. I think we're supposed to see Cats or something. There's also a ton of Star Wars comic artists. The fact that Marvel has Star Wars back 
and the fact that Reed, C2E2, and New York Comic Con are really comic-based means if you're into Star Wars comics, you may not know this. You can get an original piece of Star Wars comic art for just a couple hundred dollars. I mean, something they will draw for you. You can go up to somebody in Artist Alley and say, will you draw me Greedo? And they will say, yes, I will draw you Greedo, or no, I won't. Usually there's signs that say sketches or commissions and list a price. If you don't see a sign, it's not impolite to ask. And you could just say to someone like Katie Cook or Joe Caroni, I would like you to draw Boba Fett. And they'll quote you prices. And if you like it, you can have an original piece of art from those people. I love that. That's one of my favorite things to do. I like to go and find the artists that do it for like under 35 or $40 because I have gotten some phenomenal creative sketches. Like the best one I think I've got is Jar Jar as Stimpy. And it's awesome. Yeah. Usually the published artists aren't quite that cheap, but there's a lot of people there. Now, some of the big names like Adi Granov and Mark Brooks and Scotty Young, they're really hard to get in the lists of. Adi and Mark, they both do theirs online beforehand. You can't get them at the show. But it's a great place. They also often have original comic works there. Now, depending on the artist, you could be looking at thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars. An original comic cover may cost eh, five, six thousand but if it's a cover you love and that's going to be something special to you and that's in your budget, it's something you can... Or if you just want a looky-loo, I highly suggest going down and just flipping through Adi Granov's pages because to see that in person is incredible. And there's so many Star Wars artists at this con, I can't even begin to list them all. Yeah, it is fun. I think one of the best things is just strolling through Artist Alley and looking and seeing, buying prints... I like that a lot. It's probably one of my favorite things to do at the convention. And most comic artists are happy to sign. Rarely, but sometimes they'll charge a very small fee because people like to take entire stacks of comics up just to flip them on eBay, now signed. And they want to be sure they're keeping it to people who want it for themselves. But if you want your comic cover signed, look and see if they're having signing times. Or a lot of them are just happy whenever you walk up to sign something. It's... Just be polite and ask. And of course, New York Comic Con, what's a con without exclusives and stuff to buy? One thing, I won't be buying it myself, but I'll be probably going through that booth and drooling a little. Bandai is having, it's not an exclusive, but their perfect grade Millennium Falcon is going to be available first at New York Comic Con before it's available elsewhere later in the year. They're only going to have 30 at the show. Yeah, that's really... A limited number to get your first crack at it. It's $400. Yeah, I'm curious. Things like that, they can sell out the first day, even at $400, or they can sit there the entire time. But the perfect grade Millennium Falcon is a 172nd scale Falcon from its A New Hope representation. It is a model kit with almost 700 parts. That sounds ridiculous. I hope you're not putting it together. No, I'm not. You know... If I were going to spend that much on a Falcon, I really would buy the Last Jedi Falcon set, which the Lego, which sold out at $800. But they said they may have a few more they'll put on their website. That would be what I'd buy, and 
I'm not going to buy that either. But Bandai, I mean, it's a gorgeous thing, but it's a lot of work. The one I am buying, I'm so happy I won this auction because longtime listeners know one of my two character focuses. I have Greedo and then I have Han in Carbonite. I try to get as much Han and Carbonite stuff as I can. And I'm so excited when Lego told me the exclusive they're having at New York It's a Brickhead set, and I'm not too excited about Lego Brickheads, honestly. I've been avoiding all of them. But this is Boba Fett with a Han in Carbonite Brickheads. And since you won, I actually can, like, keep one in the box and build one. That's exciting for you. Yes. I wish I liked the Han in Carbonite Brickhead a little bit more. I feel he's a little blocky. Well, it's a Brickhead. Yep, yep. That's the reason I don't like Brickheads. But if I bought a Brickhead, it would, if they did a Greedo Brickhead, I'd have to buy the Greedo. And with the Han and Carbonite one, I'm going to be certainly getting that. And I'm glad I don't have to eBay it. Hallmark is also bringing their summer convention exclusive, the T-70 X-Wing, which is Poe Dameron's X-Wing ornament. And I'm sure they're going to have some other fun stuff at the pop-minded booth. And that T-70 makes BB-8 noises. Yay. Now, Funko is going to have some fun stuff. We're going to have an action pose K2SO. He's cute. He has a gun. Saw Guerrero with hair. Jin disguised with the helmet. Death Star droid. Oh, that takes me back. I had that chrome vac metalized figure as a kid. Dengar. Fun. And Boba Fett with Slave One. <laughs> Remember General Giant Customs? Yes, that's what that looks like. Yeah, or no, it was Hasbro Customs, but they had the... The choppers is what you're thinking of. Choppers, right. That was... That's what this looks like, and Boba's facing, like, the wrong way. It's like he's looking yeah. behind him. Yeah. Now, over at the Random House booth, if you get there first thing in the morning, you can get a wristband to get their convention-exclusive version of the short story collection from a certain point of view. That book just came out, but this is going to be exclusive cover art and a 40th anniversary logo stamped into the case of the book. I didn't realize that their event was off-site, a special ticket, and going to sell out so quickly. I was not able to get tickets to their event that would guarantee me the book. So now I have to go first thing in the morning to try to get this. I think they just had such a huge success with Thrawn at Celebration I don't know if I'm a huge fan of them doing these convention-exclusive books every convention, but I'll keep going with it. And also at Random House, there's a lot of activities. They're doing a lot of signings. Jason Fry, Pablo Hidalgo, Timothy Zahn, who was impossible to get at Celebration. They're also having a really fun thing with Mark Thompson. He's a narrator. And he will record your voicemail in the voice of your favorite Star Wars character. It looks like from 2 to 3 p.m. I imagine you have to get there kind of early to get on the list or get a wristband for that. But that's only Friday and Saturday. A new Star Wars author is going to be signing as well. His name is Greg Stones. And I've known Greg via email and online for a couple of years now. As I'm a big fan of his books, Zombies Hate Stuff and Penguins Hate Stuff. And he has a new book out, 99 Stormtroopers Join the Empire. He's going to be signing at 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. on Thursday at New York Comic Con. And here to talk with us about the book is Greg. Good to talk to you, sir. Of course. I'm so glad to be a part of this. 
For listeners who aren't familiar with your work, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and some of the books you've worked on in the past? Sure. Um, I write goofy, funny, weird little books about zombies and penguins and sock monkeys. I've published seven books with Chronicle Books in San Francisco. And um, basically, I'm best known for my zombie books. I'm not going to lie. No one really cares about the others, but... <laughs> oh, I loved Penguins. The... Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was a great one. It was Penguins hate stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, penguins are my favorite characters to paint. Um, but it was really... I just happened to have a zombie book when the zombie thing was really happening. <laughs> and that one really took off for me. Yeah, Zombies Hate Stuff was the first book of yours I read. And just Marjorie and I both just had so much fun with that one. Uh, the, nice. the Penguins made her sad because she loves penguins. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of penguins die in my books. I'm so sorry, Marjorie. <laughs> now, I think what you need to do is Star Wars that up. Porgs hate stuff. I, you know, I was so mad when I saw that Porgs were a thing and no one had talked to me about doing a Porgs book. <laughs> <laughs> And they already have like Chewy and the Porgs coming out, mm-hmm. so I may have missed those. And I'm—I mean, in their defense, I don't think they want to see a bunch of Porgs being killed in horrible ways. <laughs> I don't know. They released an official statement that said that they look cute and harmless, but they're very tasty. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be so happy if Chewbacca eats a Porg. I'm going to tell you that right now. So, what about Star Wars? You did zombies. You did penguins. Are you a Star Wars fan? Huge Star Wars fan. I, this is crazy because I'm actually the same exact age that you are. And um, it was back in, I still remember back in 1977, seeing the first film with my dad uh, because the the Tuscan Raider, like just screaming and holding his staff over his head, just like burned itself in my brain and terrified me. So I still vividly remember that. And I've, I've loved Star Wars ever since. Do you collect? I have on and off. Uh, over the years in college when the um, powers of the force line came out. Yes. Uh, yes. That's when I, I really went crazy and just grabbed so many star Wars action figures, uh, which I actually ended up using as a reference for this book. Yeah. I could kind of tell that, you know, when I looked <laughs> at some of the art, there were certain pieces where I'm like, that definitely looks like an action figure piece. Oh, oh that's hilarious. There's one of Bosk with a stormtrooper, and that Bosk you drew, I'm like, that looks just like the action figure, the way his arms are out at 90 degrees. <laughs> well, he did kind of move like that in the movie, though, too. He was not very flexible. Yeah, I don't think he moved much in the movie. It's- no, he just kind of stood there. I started kind of sketching the Stormtrooper book back in 2015, and I would just kind of carry this Powers of the Force Stormtrooper action figure with me, and I'd use that as my model. And I assume you must have that figure, and you probably realize that the helmets on that figure is not very accurate mm-hmm. for Stormtroopers. And sadly, that's the figure I used to learn how to draw the Stormtrooper helmet. So when it came time to actually illustrate the book, and I was working on the book, I kept I kept realizing I was painting the helmet incorrectly <laughs> because of that action figure. I just had to keep redoing helmets because of that, the curse of that figure. But, I, but by the end, I finally bought one of the Black Series Stormtrooper action figures, and that set me straight. Yeah, because the Power of the Force 2, they released a handful of Stormtroopers. Are you talking about, like, the one that came way back on the orange card that only had, like, five or six points of articulation? 
Yes. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> wow. That's the, that would explain why I got an action figure feel off a lot of this art, which as an action figure collector, I love. There's the one, <laughs> the stormtrooper stationed on Alderaan. Anytime I see arms out at 90 degrees, it makes me think of vintage action figures. <laughs> yeah, I spent so much of my childhood playing those figures. It definitely sculpted in my brain how they must move in real life. So I've talked to you a couple of times in the past, email and such, and I knew you before this book, but tell me how you came to be a published Star Wars author and artist as compared to just the zombies and the penguins. Um, like so much of my career, it was being in the right place at the right time with the right idea. It was a, it was a funny thing because my first book with Chronicle Books was Zombies Hate Stuff, and that came out in 2012. And one month after that book came out, uh, Jeffrey Brown's Darth Vader and Son came out which was also from Chronicle Books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've talked to Jeffrey on the show. Good guy. Isn't he? I, I got to meet him in Chicago the, over the summer, and he's just really cool. And it was just crazy because I didn't know humorous Star Wars, Star Wars books were a thing. So when his book came out, they just like lit a fire in my brain. And basically for, for three straight years, I harassed my editor at Chronicle uh, with all these different Star Wars ideas. And he was always like, no, 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 no. <laughs> these are going to happen. But um, just by stupid dumb luck, Jeffrey Brown kind of ran out of steam working in the Star Wars universe and wanted to take a break. And just as he wanted to take a break, I had an idea for a Stormtrooper book, having no idea that Rogue One was in the works. Um, so I, I showed that to my editor, and he's like, ooh, this has potential. He showed, and, oh, By the way, this is the summer of 2015, finally, when he liked my idea. Um, and he showed it to Lucasfilm. And they actually, like, really hated it a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, not how I expected the story to go. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, and it was hard, too, because at that time I was so excited about The Force Awakens coming out and Star Wars was back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have a Star Wars book. Well, it's going to be great. And, yeah, the editor at the time just did not like it. He said it looked like fan art, and it just didn't work. Ooh, so that, that destroyed me. <laughs> Yeah, evidently he had very strong ideas of what was and what was not Star Wars. It just brought me to an incredible emotional low. Um, but then, you know, The Force Awakens came out and that made me happy again because I just played in all my childhood nostalgia so beautifully. Um, but then in January, something crazy happened. The editor who did not like my book left Lucasfilm and a new editor from Disney came on board and she loved the book. But then... Um, I had to wait about nine months because at that point, Kathleen Kennedy had decided that she would personally approve every single project that had the Star Wars name on it. Wow. That was a long, stressful nine months waiting for this one incredibly powerful, awesome person <laughs> to decide whether or not I was in or not. But that's very cool to know that, I mean, she looked at your art, she looked at your oh, concept, yeah. and she personally gave it a thumbs up, too. Oh, that, I mean, that blew my mind. I could not believe <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, no. So it was a huge honor um, when finally in, I think it was November. Yeah, November of 2016, they, they finally gave me the green light, um, which was good and bad because then I only had one month to actually illustrate the book. Um, so I could get it to press in time to come out the following year. Um, so it was, it was a it was, the whole process was basically an emotional roller coaster because one minute you're like, yes, and then one minute you're like, no, and then yes, and no, it was just crazy. So how much of the book would you say you had prepared by the time you were given the one month to work on it? Well, I had finished um, one third of the illustrations, but this was 
before I was introduced to the Lucasfilm Story Group. And as you probably well know, they know everything there is to know about Star Wars and what character was on what planet and which characters met which characters and which never met other characters. Um, so that basically negated all the illustrations I'd done. Oh. <laughs> So they actually were requiring you to stick to canon because when I think of, like you said, Jeffrey Brown's books, it's not like they had to be canonical. Vader never raised children. <laughs> I know. I know. That's what actually uh, retro in, in retrospect really drove me nuts because he got a, he did. He got away with so, so much. And now they have a new thought process there at Lucasfilm really do want everything to be canonical. And so basically everything I created had to have been possible within the periphery of the films. Wow, that that gives me a new respect for it because when I read your book, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, you know, again, I got an action figure vibe off some of the art. I'm like, this is a book of stuff I'd make up playing in a sandbox as a kid and what that's what i love about it so the fact that it's all plausible just adds another depth of respect i have for it oh thank you and it is a crazy thing because as you know from my other books what makes my humor funny most of the time is because it would never happen and you know so a lot of the notes i would get from story group was like well this would never happen so that was a little bit of a struggle for me when you were pitching the book, because I imagine before the interview, I didn't do a great job of explaining what the book is. How did you pitch it to them so that our listeners know what this book is? It's pretty straightforward. It's basically, uh, you know, 99 stormtroopers join the Empire. And then by the end of the book, there are no longer 99 stormtroopers. Yeah, that's what I, I gave to my editor. And I have to say, it was actually my editor at Chronicle, um, Steve Marcus, who did all the pitching on my behalf. Um, he's the one who made trips to Lucasfilm and kept at him until they he, he finally wore them down. And what I find really amusing about this is the page numbers. You know, you start off, and the book doesn't have a lot of text. It, I hope I don't offend you with a comparison, but it's similar to, like, a violent The Far Side in Star oh, yeah. Wars. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't offend me at all. I, I grew up on The Far Side, and it definitely sculpted my sense of humor. Yeah, the way it's just you kind of have a one-liner describing something in a humorous way, and then the art that goes with it. And so that, I use that as, like, the example of the way it goes. So you start page one, actually says 99, and you're like, 99 stormtroopers join the Empire, and one by one, they get killed, and not even one by one, because the very next page, we're down to 95, and then <laughs> 94, then 91. The page numbers do not go sequentially, so if I tell you to go to page 78, it's not either the 78th page nor the 22nd page coming <laughs> down from 100, because... As somebody who's recently worked on a book myself, I was very, I had actually had an issue where odd numbers had to be on the right. And I'm looking at your book. I'm like, wait, the the numbers, <laughs> they change. <laughs> and then, this is actually a little embarrassing, but I can't take any credit for the, that countdown idea. That was all Lucasfilm and my editor at Chronicle. I actually didn't even know that was going to happen until I got the, uh, the proofs of the book. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> It is. It really is. And the art, the I love that your book, it spans really all seven films. There's a predominance of original trilogy, but we've got some Rathgars in here. We've got K2SO. You know, we've got just 
like I say, Bosque. We've got a carbon freezing chamber, a Dianoga. Yeah, no, I, I went I went so so deep to you know because I, I basically had to come up with about ninety ideas, um, so we could whittle it down to the to the best ones. So I, I was just watching every film and, and listening to your Star Wars reviews quite a bit too from now playing. Um, just to spur ideas in my head and, and and see what other people find interesting about Star Wars. It was fun. And, and it was another thing I tried to do is, you know, they're all jokes that we all make about Star Wars. I didn't want to just repeat those kinds of jokes, you know, like these are not the droids you're looking for. So I tried to find little tweaks and little twists and turns on on the humor that we all know, but find a slightly fresh take on it. Uh, so it was a really, really interesting challenge. And I, another thing I should mention, when you work for for Lucasfilm, it's it's such a team effort. Um, it was really cool because the the Lucasfilm story group would would have ideas. Caitlin Kennedy would have ideas for the book. They they really actually got involved with the whole process, and it was it was just such an amazing thing to be part of this whole team and part of Star Wars. It was it was very surreal. That is so nice. And I just want to personally thank you on behalf of myself for including a Greedo and on behalf of Marjorie for including a Jar Jar. (laughs) Those are your favorites, right? Yes. I remember that. Yep. (laughs) Greedo and Han and Carbonite are two of my favorites. Oh, that's right. Because you have a life-size one, don't you? Yeah. So (laughs) I was, you know, three pages in and there's a Carbonite joke and I go a little further and Greedo (laughs) is there. And then, yeah, I keep going and there's Jar Jar. I mean, you (laughs) And it's not all deep characters either. I mean, I mentioned the stuff that's like Bosque because it's really fun to see it. But there's a lot of biker scouts. You get cameos from Luke and Leia and Han. And there's quite a bit of Vader, some Jabba. Oh, yeah. And um, actually a funny thing with having Bosque in there. Um, my original concept for that illustration, it was supposed to be R2-D2. But it turns out the, the story group did not want R2 to kill anyone. So that's why we had to toss Bosque in there instead. <laughs> But R2 did kill people. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially the way he like blowtorches those droids at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. I mean, that's some hardcore killing going on right there. <laughs> what kind of tweaks did you have to make? I mean, you mentioned that you had some stuff that you had to just not include. But when you got to this, was there art where they came back and requested specific changes or... Were there specific wording differences that were needed? or? Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes they would just go ahead and rewrite it for me. Like when I got the finished book, um, I was reading. I was like, oh, I, I did not write that line. <laughs> but there, yeah, there are a lot of things. Like um, they would just make me change the planet setting sometimes. Um, like there's one scene where the stormtrooper gets a pebble in his boot and is bending down and like an ad, ad is about to step on him. Mm-hmm. Originally, that was on kind of a grassy planet because I just like the colors of it. But it's like, no, 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 this has to be on Scarif. So I had to redo that one with a more tropical background. Oh, there was an ATAT on Endor. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, at that point, I had done a lot of Endor things, and uh. as the you know, even though I said they only gave me a month to work on the book, because the story group only meets once a week, that actually got stretched out a bit. Because quite often we'd be waiting for notes for them. So it ended up being like two months that I had there, which actually brought me into a little bit of overlap with Rogue One. So then they asked me to put more Rogue One elements in the book, which was good and bad because they they actually spoiled Rogue One for me because they said, oh, you know, instead of Alderaan blowing up, you could have like Jedha blow up or you could have Scarif blow up. And I was like, oh, I haven't seen the movie yet. (laughs) And yet you had to sit there and just bite your tongue until the movie came out. You know, that's, that's the curse of being part of the, the inner circle. 
What is your artistic process? How do you do your art? It varies. When I'm just painting as an artist, I have no plan. I just sit down, start adding characters, and the next thing you know, something weird and, and violent has happened. But with a book, you know, I'll have a set theme, a set number of characters I'm using, and uh, I'll just kind of explore that with, with hundreds of sketches and ideas. And I show it all to my editor, and he, you know, cuts them all out. And in this case, he would then show them to Lucasfilm, and they would cut a bunch out. And, but once I get the green light on a book, it's just full tilt crazy painting all the time you know getting up at 6 30 in the morning and, and painting nonstop till 12 30 at night i don't know i find nothing more inspiring than a deadline um, <laughs> i hear you yeah yeah you know all about deadlines with 99 stormtroopers join the empire what kind of feedback have you received so far from fans it has been so so gratifyingly positive um it, it's been incredible it was just such a nerve-wracking thing, waiting for this book to come out and then just wondering, like, you know, will it be too on the nose or will they just not like it or will they just not get it? Do they not want Star Wars to be funny? But it's just been amazing, like, all the amazing reviews I've been getting and just doing events and meeting people in person. They're just, I don't know, people just really seem to love the book. And it's it's been an amazing feeling that I created something that is now part of this universe. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to talk too much about it because... It's a funny book, and the more I discuss, the more I'm going to be ruining it for people. I feel like <laughs> this is not like a standard book. Every single page I describe is a spoiler. So that's true. I'll just I'll give away one thing though. I don't know if you noticed this with your keen eye, but Boba Fett's jetpack is hidden in the book somewhere. I don't know if you noticed that. Ah, yes, I do. It's <laughs> it's on the page with the stormtrooper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the page. <laughs> And that actually stemmed from the fact that I, uh, in the preceding page, I believe, is the one with the Sarlacc pit. Stormtroopers fall in the Sarlacc pit. That was actually supposed to be Boba Fett in the pit with them. Ah. But once again, the, the story group uh, stepped in and said, no, 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 nope. <laughs> he can't be in there. So went with the skiff guard instead. That's okay. I love the weak way, you know? And he's just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, they're so picky. But yet, no stormtrooper was ever near Jabba's palace. That's true. I know. They, they they were a little bit leery about that one. But because stormtroopers had been on Tatooine, it was conceivable that possibly they might have wandered in that direction. So. All right. Well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for creating this book. It really has brought a big smile to both of our faces. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to interview me and let me be a part of your podcasting empire. I'm just, I'm truly, truly honored, Arnie. Well, that is it for our show this week. Follow us on Twitter, and more importantly, follow us on Facebook. We are going to be doing Facebook Live events. We're going to be at the Kotobukiya booth, the Sideshow booth, the Hot Toys area of the Sideshow booth. We'll just be all over the convention. And bringing it to you live on our Facebook feed. And watch Thursday morning, we'll announce the time on Facebook for our live interview with the Hasbro team, and you can ask questions there. So thank you for listening. We hope to see you in New York. And until next time, may the pegs be stocked and the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can find pictures of the toys reviewed, 
chat with other Star Wars collectors, and find hundreds of Star Wars Action News episodes at our website, SWActionNews.com. This podcast is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. We rely on listener support to keep the show going. You can pledge to our Podbean fundraising campaign by going to SWActionNews.com slash support. Backers get rewards including exclusive video content, early show releases, and more. You can also help out our show by telling your friends to listen by posting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or in person. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star review written on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. You can also send us your latest store reports, figure reviews, and more. Email us an MP3 or iPhone voice memo at show at SWActionNews.com. All content received is subject for use on the show. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is always looking for new people to help with the show. You can find a list of skills we need on our blog at VenganzaMedia.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Video editing by Barrett, Andrew, and Daryl. Website design by Jason. Graphic design by Jay. Photo editing by Scott and Curtis. Announcements by Brock. Segments created by Andrew, Brock, Daryl, Jerry, Jonathan, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. All rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Yep, you know those things. Fire bad. At a truck stop, one lady who was changing a diaper turns and goes, is that a penguin? Wait, was she changing the diaper in the parking lot? Yes. Ew! My Little Pony, Transformers, G.I. Joe. Micronauts. I can't Rom. get over the fact that we keep calling it Transformers. I'm sorry. I love you, New England. I do. I love the Boston accent. I'm not making fun of you guys. I'm making fun of Marky Mark. Say hi to your mother for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's Marky Mark. I don't care if you call him Mark Wahlberg. Yeah.
But yes, it is the best city in the entire world. No offense to any other cities. I love you all, but New York is the best one. Except Reno. Screw Reno. Yeah, screw Reno. Sorry to all my Reno listeners, but I don't know what's going on with your city. <laughs> There's people who have won three Tom Slate. <sighs> I don't think this is the show they mean. I think we're supposed to see cats or something. Star Wars. How I love buying Star Wars. I have so many Death Stars. There are TIE Fighters there. I remember when Luke looked out at those setting suns. Star Wars memories live on. Is that from Cats? That's memories from Cats. I've never I, seen Cats. They don't actually use those lyrics. Oh. I'd actually go see Cats if they did. Are there actually Cats in Cats? Well, there's no actual Cats. There's people in Cat suits who oh. are pretending to be Jellico Cats. What's a Jellico Cat? Jellico Can and Jellico Do. Jellico Can and Jellico Do. Jellico Can and Jellico Do.